Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. player of games, writer of origin, recorder of videos, and a tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream, Crafting Icewind Dale, in which I built right and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. If you are playing characters of Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, get out of here. You are not welcome, but the rest of you are welcome. Warning, there will be spoilers. Stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday evening. Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson. Join our official Discord server. Invite link into the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net. For streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Hope everybody had a glorious Monday. Hello, Sylvan, Nick at work, Brathagoras, Nate, Stan... Turn the music off now. Um, so we have made it through the Dark Duchess. Um, I don't usually do much of a post-mortem in these craftings because it's come what the Frostside chat is for. Uh, but that fucking giant encounter, oh my goodness. <laughs> you just don't prepare for, uh, I guess, the social solution to when you want to force a fight. But sometimes you just kind of, you got to feel, you, you got to read the room. I think DM is the ultimate reading of the room. Uh, role that's that's probably the best thing that you can learn and, and the, the difficult thing is you can be a great dm and really know how to read the room but maybe not know your players and thus that becomes uh a tricky thing to do but uh, i think i read the room correctly there and we moved on from the dragon or from the giant fight but you know what i got to do i got to keep that giant alive that dragon will uh, why do i keep calling him a dragon the giant i got dragons in the mind the giant will return Burgomir with the mammoth will return, and I would love for him to return when the players go do Yarlmoot, and then when they exit Yarlmoot, thinking that they've completed this whole thing, and then he comes stomping in on his mammoth and thinking he's going to take down these players who have hopefully not long rested at all in this time. Um, and I mean, he even took hardly any damage, so he's basically just got full health. So I'm looking forward to using him again and maybe forcing a proper fight this time. and. Maybe uh, Val Robin won't have uh, the Charm Monster spells anymore if we can suck out another 4th level spell out of him. So for Dark Duchess, we made it into the hold, which is pretty obvious because this place holds a monster in there. Um, my players, you know, <laughs> they're not the most tactically uh, stealthy party, which I know. You'd think that given one of the few opportunities this party has had to... Uh, be forewarned about an enemy 
and be able to plan on how to deal with them. But no, we're just going to go stomping downstairs and roll for initiative. I, I can roll with that. That's fine. Not only that, but I got a surprise round. If you noticed, I pulled that shit off. I'm like, well, you know what? If you're not being stealthy at all, then that troll is going to notice you're there. Um, so, uh, but it still ended up being not too bad of a fight. I mean, just one troll, even a powerful troll. And I'm, you know, it was a tricky thing about adding the second one because they, they beat this one up so quickly that I'm like, do I even want to pull the trigger on the second one? Or is it just going to be similarly anticlimactic? But I I will mention, even though Frey makes a lot of these fights look easy because she's so good at tanking damage. And what's fascinating here is she ends up losing a lot of hit points in these first couple excursions. And then later on, it gets a little trickier. So, and, and something that uh, she mentioned at the end of the last session was like, hey, you guys need to like come and, and tank and deal with this troll because she's at literally 30% hit points right now and nobody else has basically been touched so maybe that'll color things differently. But I did go ahead and decide to pull the trigger on the second troll. Just because, whatever, it's... They've they've hardly been challenged yet, right? Because, like, only... Like, they've used some spells, but it's mainly just been phrase hit points. They beat the giant so quickly, uh, you know, that hardly softened him up at all. I kind of wussed out on making him go through the uh, the gauntlet I had prepared for the ice flows and stuff. They just... It, it, you know, and when I was planning on it, I was thinking it was going to be a fun, interesting thing, but they just didn't really, we weren't feeling it. I guess when we were doing it, it just became more of a tedious thing. So I quickly scrapped that and just said, okay, once you guys do one check, we'll move on and make it a Dark Duchess. Um, and now, you know, we made it through the first ice troll fight with, I was going to say nary a scratch. People did get scratched up quite a bit. Frey certainly got beat up a lot, but I'm thinking this second one will hopefully do some damage. I got to use the second one. The kobolds aren't a fight. No, they're not. Um, we only have really one more fight in here, which is the undead pirate captain, which this is something we need to discuss. So, um, we're going to, we're going to do this ice troll fight here. And then we've got a, presumably the next thing they're going to do is check out this door. If they don't, you know, the kobolds can obviously come through once they uh, hear things. Um, the kobolds will initially try to fight them, but then we'll back off. Although, you know, if Frey wants to go in and murder them all, that's perfectly fine as well. My problem is we're going to, my fears are that the players are going to immediately start digging through this treasure hoard because why wouldn't you? And I've mentioned the fact that that's basically the trigger for the dragon appearing, which means we'll have skipped this entire other deck of the, of the dark duchess, which sucks. Um, I guess this place is kind of pointless if they already come down here because it's just kind of some light lore and world building about the kobolds staying here, but if you already meet the kobolds and that's kind of pointless, I was going to put like a little bit of minor loot in one of the rooms, but that's about it. And the other bummer is that the captain's thing, which I have the really cool loot in, I, I think even cooler than what's in the dragon's horde, which is the bag of tricks followed by a cool fight that I've prepped could easily be skipped. If, if the players end up just digging through this treasure hoard because once the dragon appears, there's there is no more exploration of this dungeon. Like the dragon appears, and this entire dungeon suddenly becomes a like an I think like those uncharted video games where it's just an escape sequence, and you're you know running at the camera while monsters are coming at you. It's it's not you know the dungeon crawling part of it is ended essentially. But I don't want to have the dragon. You know, it's I don't want to have them just go through the whole treasure hoard and then the dragon. You know, there wanted there needs to be some kind of tension there. So I, I think. I think my solution is, first of all, the horde takes a long time to get through. Each layer 
takes an hour to get through with a miner's pick or twice as long using fire. They can sit there with a torch, they can sit there with picks, but they actually literally have to work through this uh, treasure hoard pile. And what I'm going to what I'm going to do is if some people want to do that, I'll be like, okay, what are the rest of you doing? Like, so I, what I'm trying to do is force the players to actually explore this ship instead of just montaging through them going through the treasure hoard. And, if, and I will even say, hey, you remember there's, you, you guys went, you know, down the stairs, but upstairs there were doors up there and everything's, and maybe the, the split the party, whatever they need to do, they can do. And I would encourage that. Um, simply because I don't want them to just all sit there and stare at this horde pile like a bunch of hungry dogs looking at a, you know, slab of beef uh, while that's being melted and dethawed. I want them to actually explore the dungeon because my concern is that once they make it deep enough into this treasure hoard, I kind of have to pull the trigger on the dragon, and at that point they've lost uh, the means to explore the rest of the dungeon. But Walt can attack the party to defend the horde. Yeah, they can. I guess I could look at different Cobalt stat blocks. I already bumped them up to Inventors, but Inventors are actually kind of garbage. There was one from uh, Tomb of Beasts that actually has a lot of hit points, but... That's actually not a bad idea. I could... I mean, yeah, it's... <laughs> we're kind of following uh, Elder Scrolls rule at some point, where, like, the whole world scales up with the players, so, like, oh, you're not fighting regular Cobalt anymore. Like, every Cobalt is a Cobalt champion. Trapsmith is the one. That one's got, like, 30 hit points, doesn't it? Tuma Beasts, man, they, uh, the Cobalt Press, they know they just increased, like, everybody's hit points by, like, 50% or something, just as a baseline. Yeah, 36 hit points each, 14 armor class. Still has pack tactics. And they have the way cooler bombs. They have, like, fog cloud bombs and, like, straight-up grenades that do, like, 46 damage. Like, these guys are actually a lot cooler. Stuntra. I, I use these in a Tomb of Annihilation, and, and the players were able to loot some of these grenades. Uh, and they enjoyed that quite a bit. I don't know if I would necessarily give them these. I, I may just give them more the more hit points. I think they have the same attacks. Oh, they do have a poison crossbow. That's fancy. It does take time uh, to search the Dragon Horde. Right. So the idea being, um, while they're searching the Dragon Horde, I'm going to be telling them, hey, you know, you, I'll, I'll try to do my best as the DM to encourage that, because I don't have an NPC here to voice my what I want them to do, which is, hey, explore the rest of this uh, dungeon, please, like, before you make it through this horde too far, and because, yeah, it will take a while to get through it. I think they can get the first... Is it all... Let's see. Buried under four thick translucent layers of ice. So even the first layer is buried under ice, but it, but it is, it's visible, so you actually can't loot anything right off the bat. You have to start melting it or chipping through it which is gold, and then it's like gold art objects and maybe a one-use magical thing, which uh, surely we can find something more interesting than Remove Curse, because obviously it's used for the, the Wand of Orcus trap thing, but I'm thinking maybe you can find a... I mean, essentially, it's a, I could just replace it with a spell scroll, because I've got unique spell scroll rules that lets anybody use it, but I guess a little statue is also fun. Uh, third layer, I'll replace those. That's another thing we need to talk about. If you all have good uh, suggestions for different magic item loot that this party would like, uh, I will certainly like to hear that because this is obviously a great time to do that. I don't want to use the Drift Globe or the Quiver. Um, probably don't want to use Mithril Armor as well, although uh, the Ranger could use Armor. Let's see Who's actually got... 
So with Edmund making that infused item, those boots, that was his third uh, attuned item. The only person without three attuned items is Frey. He's only attuned to the Runic Axe and the Shardalan Crown. Everybody else has three items. Now some of them, they're not really even using them much and could easily replace them. Like Volrobin, I think, is attuned to the Wand of Web. Um, Celeste is unfortunately not using her Psy Crystal really much these days. Thimbleweed, I don't think I've ever seen him use his Pearl of Power. So, like, I could, you know, they could definitely still use some uh, attuned items here. Put the pressure on time for the dragon to arrive. That's going to be tricky. Um, there's, I don't know how to do that, I guess. It specifically says that the Cobalts have no idea when she's supposed to return. Obviously, I could change that and say that she'll return any second or whatever. Or she usually comes back in a couple hours. Maybe that tells them how much time they have. And I don't think, you know, it's not like a T-Rex with the boom, boom. You know, she's just flying in the air. So you really wouldn't get much forewarning of when she appears. I'm hoping the tension is just, oh shit, there's a dragon horde here. We just met that dragon earlier. You know, she flew overhead and the bear scattered off. So she's in the area around here. And she could come back at some point. Or the dragon shields. Cobal dragon shields. Oh yeah, by the way, Mordenkainen's... How was that? Multiverse of Monsters got officially added uh, to Roll20, I believe, today. Is it today? Maybe today. Which I guess I need to check it out. I don't... It feels like it's just kind of a replacement, an updated replacement for uh, Volos and Mordenkainen's. Mordenkainen's now means two different books. Cobalt <laughs> Dragon Shield is Dragon Resistance, Heart of the Dragon, Pack Tactics, Multi-Attack with a plus three... I guess I could force more of this. I mean, this is... <laughs> I feel like it's going to be such a nothing fight, but who knows? If I get all the attacks right and with pack tactics, then maybe these guys do more damage than the trolls. <laughs> they would probably defend her horde to the death, though. That's... They worship her. There's there's a really disappointing amount of notes here for the kobolds. Or Icewind Cobalt hide behind the barrels and hurl their javelins at the first creature into the room. After they throw their javelins, the Cobalts are weaponless. They worship Aviatris and do the dragon's bidding. They don't know when she'll return next, but she always does. So I like the idea of upgrading the Cobalts. I was going to put them at Inventors, but that might not be good enough. I could do a combination. We could do, we could do, we could do like two Dragon Shields, a Scale Sorcerer. We could go real crazy with this. Maybe even put a Chieftain in there. Really scale things up a bit. God, okay, fuck the Chieftain. He's got 82 hit points and 17 AC. He's a straight-up boss fight. Bold choice for a CR4 Cobalt. It's full tankard, Cloak of Billowing, Dreadhelm, Fingers of Wonders, Power, Ivory Goats. <laughs> no, it doesn't need to summon their own. The thing is, if they get that, uh, the Bag of Tricks, then they, can, they have a chance at summoning Goats with that. I really want them to get that item, and I really want them to fight that fight, because I've got like a custom kind of mini-boss there with you know, undead enemies he summons, and I just think that's a cool opportunity to use. Undead creatures I haven't had to use a whole lot of. But I need them to get up there and melt that door uh, and get that treasure and do all that stuff. I just, I'm just going to prod them the whole thing. I mean, they've, they've unfortunately, just kind of skipped past the area and me knowing that this dragon's coming and going to, you know, essentially destroy this dungeon behind them, then they're not going to have another chance at it them to try to at least get experience all that stuff it'd be really interesting if they end up 
um, splitting the party with like some of them melting this door and the others melting the horde. And then when they come in and get to that chest, that summons all those enemies, that brings the other party up. That'd be pretty interesting. And the party, it's close enough where they could make it in a round, but it would still be, um, you know, enough to fuck up some of their movement tactics. The bad thing is if I make the kobolds too strong, it's like, well, why don't you guys just fight the ice troll? But I don't think uh, the trap smiths are too much. I guess I could just give them more hit points. We could keep them, keep the inventor stat block and just give them the trap smith hit points. That would, that's an easy way to just scale them up a little bit. And maybe the trap smiths AC also. Because offensive wise, trap smith might have multi-attack. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's got all these grenades and stun things. I wouldn't let it have those. Uh, I don't think I just don't think it would have this stuff this far out in the freaking wilderness like this. They do have poisoned crossbows. I don't think it would have that either. Although maybe they would have some kind of I don't know, what would what would worshippers of a white dragon have? Kind of a interesting themed weapon. Ice weapons made of ice, maybe? Or just they shot, like, icicle bolts with a crossbow. These guys have a plus five to hit. Maybe you just have it do extra ice damage. And AC 14, hit points 36. That might be the easiest thing to do, and just give them and keep them with... Yeah, we can just give them a, let's give them a crossbow. Let's give them, like, a plus one crossbow. Increase the possibilities for mayhem. Something like a totem necklace similar to Storm King's Thunder or Tomb of Annihilation. Way to get them the Regan tribes. I don't remember a totem necklace. Item crossbow. I'm only doing a plus one just because I think it would I think it would give them a plus five to hit, which is full. Attack tactics, light crossbow plus one. I'm not gonna call it that though. Call it crossbow. Not have one. I could. I, I'm kind of like the idea of giving an extra cold damage though. Custom monsters does one d eight piercing. Damage and then 1d6 cold damage. That could work, right? That comes out to. Oops, I lowered the plus three. 1d8 plus three. There we go. That's pretty. An average of 10 damage with a crossbow. You only have the one hit, though. I mean, they still probably weren't matched for the. Troll. Maybe it killed some of the cobalt. I should. I should have. Had some bodies on the ground or something. Like it killed some of the kobolds, and these are just the survivors. Bring the flask is still good. Let's go ahead and give him a plus five on that, though. Make all the difference in the world, I'm sure. All right, this is me scaling up kobolds. You see a 14. I'm just changing the sheet because I can't imagine I'm going to use kobolds again, but who knows. 36 hit points, I think. 
Damn it, damn it, damn it. Next out of it. Yeah, I did mention there were bones on the on the top deck, I think. They didn't uh, really investigate much. I think that's everything. I don't need to put anything else in. I'm actually putting any... Yeah, they just have pack tactics. They have the one attack. I kind of combined the Cobalt Inventor with the Trapsmith. Basically gave it the stats of the Trapsmith, but still gave it the attacks of the Inventor. But with kind of the crossbow of... You can hurl acid. You can shoot their little crossbows with cold bullets. <laughs> so now... If I were to drag them over... They'd be updated to the new and improved Kobolds. Cobalt Inventor. I did not get I guess I need to change the token. Side of the Cobalt Inventor. Oh, that's because your hit points never were tied. I see. That's right. Move that one. Use that one. Save changes. Now it should work. 36. I like doing four of them. I think there were four. Can I roll their hit points? Yes. Okay, that worked. And we can number them. So... That's going to be a bigger fight, at least. It'll be... This is another case of... Could very well start off of a fight, but then become a social encounter. Pretty sure Cobalt speak common. And the players have dealt with Cobalt before in this campaign. Yeah, common injury conic. But, uh, in other words, it could initially be, be social. You know, where the, the dragons, the Cobalt would be like... Oh... Thank you. Are you here to worship the white worm? Whatever. <laughs> um, but the second the players start like looting through stuff or getting in the treasure hoard, the kobolds would absolutely turn hostile. And don't know if they. I want the players to be able to con even convince the kobolds. I guess if we had fun with it, if they really wanted to like trick them into thing, no, we're like treasure inspectors or things. Cobalt's aren't very smart, so maybe with a really clever social check. But if they do manage to socially defeat the Cobalts, then when Aviatris arrives, I think that social contract would probably, unless they're literally magically commanding them, I think it would end. And now, not only do you have to deal with Aviatris here, which is I'm gonna hopefully run as more of an environmental. Uh, concern then the kobolds suddenly become combatants on the field because if she's around they would definitely work as her minions as it kind of does bonus cold damage yeah that could be pretty nice that'd be the kind of thing that i don't think anybody would even necessarily use but it's kind of a fun thing to have I think it's just barred, right? They can they can open it from their side. Of course, Aviatris arriving. I 
the way I'm going to try to time it is hopefully if if I can get them and we've got this fight, we've got the kobolds, we've got the treasure horde, but while they're trying to get their way through the treasure horde, I'm going to try to convince them to explore the rest of the dungeon as best I can. So hopefully they do that. We don't just, you know, continue the passage of time because I would love to end a session with Aviatris arriving and then I've got a full uh, session to actually run just that setup and plan for that because right now I'm still kind of putting that on the back burner. Um, I, I keep procrastinating on actually running that event. Let's reread what it actually says in the book. Honey, when the character first arrived the Dark Duchess, but she checks on the ship regularly to make sure Horde is undisturbed. At the end of each hour, the character is spent in the Dark Duchess. So it's twenty percent. So I did that before. I think last uh, rafting, I actually rolled a bunch of one d fives and like never rolled a one. Twenty percent chance. Dragon must get close to the ship to examine it. Characters are below deck. Then the White Worm arrives. The following box text describes her arrival. I believe she, yeah, she smells and hears. The panic of beating hearts. Ready your spells, Meltharon. We have invited guests. Which is pretty cool. Uh, and if they're topside, they can actually see it coming. Characters hide and don't make a lot of noise. She climbs aboard the vessel in the forecastle and begins to make her way toward the hold. No matter where the characters are on the ship, they hear. Aviatris board it as her massive form makes the entire vessel shake and the ice around it crack. She it just says if she notices them, she attacks. She doesn't notice the character. She makes her way to her horde, inspects the hold to make sure nothing's in place, and leaves the ship to find and eat a tasty walrus. <laughs> she sees that the horde has been disturbed. The dragon looks around the ship to see if thieves left tracks and follows any she finds, calling out to Meltharon to ready his spells. She suspects the intruders are still aboard the vessel, but hiding in places she can't reach, she breaks through walls to get at them. How the fuck do they survive this the way it's written? Characters are no match for the dragon. If they a distra- oh, that's right. They can just fuck with the saddle. Heltron's corpse could fall off its saddle. This causes the dragon to break off her attack once to make sure the dead, dra- dead, dead wizard is undamaged. Dragon can't put Meltron's corpse back in its saddle without help. If there are any kobolds nearby, they can assist. Otherwise, Apiatris promises to break the girl's life they him the helping hand. Yeah, that just becomes kind of... That really becomes a really tense moment and suddenly kind of a goofy one, which might work well. I, I've certainly done that several times, and I mean, that's... Kind of what ended up happening with our first Aviatris encounter, if I'm being honest. We turned a tense moment into kind of a, a goofy one, but I think it was it worked out and became memorable. Characters bolt. Aviatris does not pursue them. Red leave Meltharon's side. Once characters beyond her field of vision, the somewhat dim dragon member, she's big enough. Scoop up Meltharon with one claw, just so gently, and flies back to her lair atop the Reggae Glacier. Somewhat dim dragon, that's funny. So... The DM has that in their back back pocket, where if the players are really screwed, you can literally just cinematically trigger Melthrond falling off the saddle. You know, maybe she tries to grab somebody or something, and then she freaks out and starts looking for that, and that gives the players enough chance to escape. A lot of it depends on where the players are and how they handle the situation. I'm I'm going to try to plan for, like, maybe a series of events. Um... But I don't want to guide them too much. I kind of want them to try to make those choices and me to react to them. So I'm just going to be, you know, looking at Aviatris's stat block and 
Uh, you know, maybe if she if somebody makes a noise or tries to say something and she doesn't recognize them, she'll immediately just do her frost breath in the hold. What I'm anticipating happening is that Val Robin pops up and immediately starts like you know buttering her up basically and trying to and using his like very superior persuasion skills, which <sighs> I'm gonna let him play around with that somewhat. But if she she will still go over and inspect her horde, and if she notices things are missing, she will get very very pissed off, uh, and that could be potentially fatal fatal for Val Robin for sure. His cocksureness at convincing an ancient white dragon that, uh, no, no, it's fine. We're supposed to be here. <laughs> Your loot is all okay, I promise. It'll be interesting. I don't, I don't want to over-prepare too much because I just don't know what, how the players are going to deal with it other than I assume they're going to... I anticipate them trying to solve the situation the same they did before, which is just Robin using social checks and role-playing to get them out of it, which... I, you know, I, I've said this before last time, but it's different when you meet somebody out in the world and you have a chat versus you find out they just broke into your storage unit and rifled through your belongings and stuffed a bunch of your shit into their pockets. That's that's going to color her demeanor quite a bit differently, <laughs> I would think. But I think the, the best way to do that is to trigger it, you know, as late as possible. Let them get as much out of this dungeon as we can and hopefully get through a good chunk of this loot. I, I, if if I can be a little elastic with time, it would be really fun for them to be like, you know, melting or chipping through that fourth layer when they hear the dragon approaching and it becomes this tense like, oh, can we actually get this last, you know, bit of stuff um, while the dragon's like up on the top. Or maybe even they see the fourth layer, they see a bunch of stuff, they just start it, and then Aviatras appears, and maybe they're like, hey, let's send Valravan up there and distract her while we melt through this ward and get the rest of it. <laughs> and then I have to, as a DM, be like, oh, is that really going to happen here? Because he's got enough you know, social text to be able to do that, but she would still be very concerned about her horde and have all kinds of questions about why he's here and all that. The players realize it is a dragon's horde. Probably not. Uh, well, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, they haven't had a chance to... Uh, examine it really because as soon as they came down I attacked them with the troll they may put two and two together pretty quickly I mentioned uh, with Aviatris that she hunts down ships specifically in the Sea of Moving Ice uh, and then the fact that this is a large treasure hoard here uh, why is it just hanging out why is it like encased in ice I mentioned there's a there, which this is an attack so there's a crag cat that's just like an, as a frozen statue like sitting somewhere and if they haven't figured all that out by now, obviously the Cobalts can just straight up uh, give them that information. They would be pretty forthcoming about like who they are and whose place this is because they'd be like, you need to get the fuck out because Mama's going to be here soon. I was actually thinking that, Nate. Um, I, I was thinking for a hot second, like at some point, if he if he's really good at this, but she's still pretty pissed off, I might have to actually sidebar with Chris and be like, look, you were about to be kidnapped by this dragon. Like, she, you know, you you infatuated her enough, but uh, too much so that now you've kind of ingratiated yourself and she will, like, pick you up and fly after her lair, never for you to be seen in this campaign again for a while. How do you feel about that? Because, like, this is where this is going to, uh, unless you've got some other plan of egress or something. <laughs> 
get a pile of treasure. Dragon seals, you know it's a dragons. Yeah, I don't. I haven't used dragon. I'm using just the kobolds. I mean, kobolds in general, like kobolds plus giant treasure horde. Uh, and I guess context clues for what kind of dragon it is. And obviously, we're in the frozen north. Everything's frozen. Uh, there's an ancient white dragon nearby. So yeah, I have thought of that being a possibility. Where, which is a weird one because it's not like. I mean, he could be killed. That's always one option, but he wouldn't even be killed at that point. He would just be like, it would be like King Kong style, like in the Empire State Building. Like she just grabs Val, he, yeah, she grabs Valrava and just flies off to her lair and like, all right, you've you've entertained me enough, and I consider this, you know, if you trade yourself for this treasure, then uh, perhaps that will be, you know, a fair trade or something. Like I could really go really far with this. It would be crazy to pull that off. Um, so it'd be one of those things where I'd have to sideboard the player and be like, oh, your other option is you guys need to like hightail and do and do some other plan because I'm just going to tell you right now, like once this dragon grabs you and flies away, you are totally and completely fucked. <laughs> there's, there's, there's like a fade to black for you in the future. I don't, I don't have like a solo session planned where you are uh, escaping from this dragon's lair over in the Regged Glacier with this V-neck. <laughs> He's not dressed for it. He does have the Ring of Warmth, though, which would probably come in very handy with a white dragon around. Bards do need repercussions. Yeah, you know, that could probably be a whole DM roundtable about how best to handle social checks, how to reward them without making it too overpowered. And I think you always have to look at actual charm spells and see what they do. And make sure that no social check is as good as even the worst kind of spell, in my opinion. Because a spell, like, they're actually spending a resource to do it. Now, the other argument argument is where role-playing comes into play. And some players are better at that than others. But, like, how, you know, how does that factor into it? Do you even make a check if your role-playing is so good? Or do you get advantage and all that? It's it's tough because I do want to reward players for good role playing, uh, and obviously for for social checks. But it gets harder when you're solving like straight up tricky situations with just you know a silver tongue. But on the other hand, a lot of bards and other PCs, that's what they've built that character to do, is to have that super good charisma score and be able to persuade people. But it, it's to a point. Right, like you, you're. It's not a Jedi mind trick. I feel like using Jedi mind trick is the equivalent of uh, using spell slots, like actually like manipulating people. Versus, you know, being persuasive, you could still persuade people to help. Like if they were already um, inclined to do a thing, and then you, you know, and you you could push them over the edge. But if it's just straight up manipulating them to do something they wouldn't normally do, um, then I think that's where I draw the line. But it's tricky because it, it it's kind of a case by case basis, and I certainly get caught up in role playing a lot. And there's cases where, you know, I want an NPC to act a certain way, or I'm I'm um, leaning towards having a certain outcome happen. And if the players uh, go that way, then I'm way more willing to let it happen without any kind of checks or spells involved. Versus other things, which was like the giant fight where, uh. That one was easy for me to rule on because at least it required a fourth level spell of Charm Monster involved. And then another player had to speak with animals still on uh, that they had cast earlier. 
So that was a little easier for me to rule that if it would just somehow had been, you know, speak with animals and he's trying to persuade it, then, you know, it probably wouldn't have uh, worked out that way. Another way to get them to the Rugged Glacier. <laughs> we don't need to go there yet. That would be uh, too early. The Rugged Glacier is the end game. That's, that's Act 3, and we're still uh, in the early stages of Act 2 at this point. We don't, we don't need them. Even though they've got the location of Ethrin, um, they can't get in there yet. You need the... Uh, I think I'm going to keep the... You need the Codicil of White to get in the Glacier. Like, the Codicil will... Uh, and maybe it's maybe it's not even a magical thing that cracks the glacier, but maybe it's just, hey, this is a map to a hidden place that was the the place that she emerged from. Well, maybe she did, like, close up behind her, and then that's she encased that spell in case she ever needed an emergency to get back to Aetherin, and then she kept that in her, you know, holy document that's lying in Grimscala. Uh, which I like the idea, now that I'm talking about the other campaign, that maybe that's what Grimscala is, is, like, a holy pilgrimage. It's not even necessarily the Frost Maidens, like you know, main seat of power, but it's just, it's this holy temple of the Frost Maiden where the Codicil is kept. Um, and it is obviously, you know, temples are where she can uh, rule over and appear from pretty frequently, but that's something that uh, Nass, when she gets to Valish Gaunt and updates him on all that, and then together they know, or maybe, maybe I have to make another step in the way where somehow they all learn they need that Codicil of White to get into the glacier to then get into Act 3, and that becomes the final stage of Act 2. First place, well, Robin is a verbose bard, but another player might play a bard character and only leave it to the roles, and they're big charismos, and they're actually acting it out. Yeah. Which, you know, that's... To be fair, that's part of the game, too. Um, you know, some people, they just describe what their character does and roll the dice. That's... Uh, I think we always like to have role-playing, but I certainly understand that not everybody is going to be... Uh, super comfortable doing that or embodying their uh their character in that way so you should be able to do roles but again at a certain point there's an argument to be made where i don't um the charm spells exist for a reason like you're not just straight up mind controlling people or necessarily letting them do your bidding right off the bat uh have we given any more thoughts to the kind of items to put in this Dragon Horde, because as only fair, since I'm scaling everything up, I should also probably scale up the treasure. Um, I think Cloak of Protection does... Can I look up the magic item tables, actually? You in there, Compendium? Oh, you are. Okay. So these are the nice tables from the Dungeon Master's Guide that just include... Uh, just kind of a, a sample, like, treasure table to roll from. It doesn't have it on there. Oh, no. I thought I clicked it. Oh, I've got the book in front of me, but I was hoping to be more. Oh, that's a shame. It doesn't do it. It just shows them one at a time. Well, that's less helpful. Donkey or a mule. Could carry 420. There's probably a joke in there somewhere. Well, I think we can have something that does the equivalent of a limited use spell scroll or a couple things. I like the idea. The, the one in the book is uh, a, a scrimshaw figurine of an archer etched with magical script. Functions like a spell scroll of remove curse. 
I don't think I need to use remove Kurt. I don't think I'm going to use anything. Uh, it's not my macro. Sorry, I'm searching on the compendiums. This is just literally I'm looking at information that you can look up on uh, Roll20. It doesn't appear to have the tables in there. My macros do not have... I don't think I have any macro loot. Oh, are you saying just check the macros for loot tables? Yeah, I could do that. Uh, we've got Icewind Dale trinkets. A lot of random encounter tables. I think there's actually a whole lot of treasure. In fact, this isn't even just the buttons out of the actual. Rollable table, that's going to have the information on there. Mainly encounters and not treasure, unfortunately. Etherin treasure. Magic goblet charms. This must be from Etherin as well. Cast a bunch of cantrips. Yay. The rest are the ones I've made. Pond of Wonder feels too much, but I like I like where your thoughts are. You know, persuasion check and a charm spell. Persuasion takes time. Charm spells do it instantly. I guess. I'm I'm always very lenient on time. Players are rarely in a time constraint, I feel like, in my campaigns. Although we just came off one of the biggest ones, which was the Shardland Dragon. Removal rods. Haven't had one in this campaign yet, have we? Bunch of wondrous items like an RP or use of creativity, bag of holding. Boy, that would be nice of a bag of holding when you have a treasure uh pile, isn't it? Yeah, you could go more goof. I do want to have at least one like legitimately good, strong, attunable item, but you're right, I could do um some funsies stuff. I mean, hell, like a, a cloak of protection, like everybody can use that. That's a really useful item. It's not the f most interesting item, but straight up plus one AC that anybody can use. Uh, what else is there? I don't think potions would be very appropriate to have in a treasure hoard necessarily. Battle of the Cavalier. <laughs> Filter of Love for Francine. I mean, I could still concoct a magic bow for Thimbleweed, although he's got a lot of Shardland arrows now, which which would solve his magic bow problem because they do count as magical. The arrows count as magical if the bow doesn't. Uh, but I, I think he is the only character, if he's using his bow, that does not have a cool signature magic weapon at this point. Ray's obviously got the axe, Celeste's got the mop, well, Robin's got uh, Zardarok's gauntlets, Edmund's got his cyborg arm. We does not nothing, so I could probably come up with a uh, some kind of cool bow. There's not really any good bows in the book that I would use, but I, I like making magic items myself, so I might I might concoct something there. I don't remember if alchemy if uh, Edmund has an alchemy jug. I forget which items he's got infused. I think he can make one if he doesn't already have one. Ooh, that good luck stone is pretty good. I'm just flipping through the book now. The good old Dungeon Master's Guide has still got great source of items, although I think we've used half of them by now at least. So many stuff requires attunement. 
they have a lot of. I mean, they didn't. You know, they still have the Earth Elemental Gem they didn't use from uh, the last dungeon. They have that whole Drillbot robot that I think they've all forgotten about at this point. But that's part of the interesting part of giving them items and is uh, you don't know which ones they're actually going to use, which ones they're going to think are really cool. And one thing they don't need is like traversal stuff. I feel like between uh, Thimbleweed and Frey and, and Celeste is a monk, they've got all kinds of ways of getting around stuff. Luckstone, just plus one bonus to ability checks and saving throws. That's really good. It does require attunement. Kind of a wondrous item, sovereign glue. Magic has no string during the string of force for its own force arrows. No need for ammunition. Uh, yeah, but we don't do ammunition anyway, so. But it's a cool idea. I mean, that's I think that's what the quiver is, right? That the quiver is like yeah, it's endless ammunition. It's like well, that's not fun because we don't care about ammunition anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, you draw extra dimensional. It's a bag of holding for arrows. That's what it is. Because it doesn't have infinity arrows, but it's without. It's it's dumb. Apartment that can hold all these different arrows. I know that uh, in Storm King's Thunder we played around with being able to draw different magic arrows from a thing. I think Chris did exacts, because we had a ranger, uh, Raymond played a ranger in that campaign, and I'm pretty sure he had a similar item where he could, like, do different arrow effect, which is cool, because it's like the Hawkeye thing, where it's got all your different, you know, arrow things, and that's immediately what I think of when I think of, like, a cool item for rangers. It's like, oh, you've got bow, you basically become the arcane archer, right, where you've got all the different bows that can do cool stuff, which is cool, but I think we've kind of already done that. Also, given that oil of etherealness, they never like they haven't used any of their items from the last one, the last dungeon. I don't know if we're gonna do black cabin. I'm jury's still out on that one. I like the map. I don't like anything there. If I do it, it would be similar to uh, Yarlmoot, where it's like it's not a. Uh, predetermined quest. It's something you kind of stumble on almost. Because as written, this thing has is the quiver. That's a non-attunable magic item. The drift globe, I believe, is non-attunable. Mithril armor is not attunable. And it's got a fake wand of Orcus. Which is dumb. Does emit magical light comparable to that created by a continual flame spell. I need to make that stuff better. I don't want to go nuts with it, but there should be some better things. Talisman of Ultimate Evil. The only weapon would be a bow. I think the rest could be defensive stuff or uh, wondrous items. I did not let them get the ointment. Uh, Aeoctum's ointment, which the giant had, because they did not actually defeat the giant, nor did he actually really surrender to them. <laughs> oh, and they will be able to get the ice troll hearts. We talked about that last time too. Which I I think it's great. Like that, uh, 
temporarily go freaking monster hunter here. Actually have like specific monster loot that the players can grab. You can either eat this fucking thing to gain like troll regeneration. It's not quite as good, five hit points, but for 24 hours you constantly regain five hit points. You're always at max health over the next 24 hours until you're in combat and then you have to, you know, figure it out. As long as you're not taking acid or fire damage. Or you can bury it and summon a blizzard for eight hours, which is weird. Or, I'm skipping the hag thing, or a creature proficient with alchemist supplies, which I assume Edmund is because he's a fucking alchemist artificer, can basically create one potion of cold resistance in an hour. That's pretty cool. And I will, I think I'm just going to ignore the the blizzard one because how the fuck would they even know that? <laughs> but I, maybe if they roll good enough on... Um, Either I would, maybe something about Frey being this weird uh, cursed cannibal, maybe she would be able to tell that it holds a great power. It's like her eating, it's like the Game of Thrones, like eating of the dragon heart or something. Um, So, I don't know, maybe she would just know that if she consumes this thing, she could gain great power. Only for the next 24 hours, though. Or you could give it to Edmund and he could make potions of cold resistance, which would be pretty damn good in this particular campaign. I know, yeah. The, I mean, the region, like, that's huge. Five, And it never goes, like, five hit points. Basically, you want to do that at the start of a dungeon, and then as long as you don't long rest, you automatically heal to full hit points after every fight. That's real good. So I plan on fully giving them these, basically, two ice troll hearts. And I'm tempted to just give them the information, because I think that's a cool item for them to use. I would probably not say they even have to use it in the next 24 hours. Just because of the uh, environment they're in. They're already in a, a perfect ice troll environment if they were you know in a non-cold environment then i would probably say yeah the ice the ice heart's gonna melt and you're not gonna get the benefits but i mean they're constantly in this weather so i'm okay with them just hanging on to these items and then you've got a god i mean two or you have two ice troll hearts you could potentially just have two of them to get that 24 hour regen that's enormous so that alone is probably the better than anything i can Concoct with out of the dragon horde pile. Yeah, I guess I could leave it to a skill check. It would be like history or nature or medicine, something along those lines. Maybe with advantage. And maybe I would tease the fact, I would probably tell them like something, you think something would happen. <laughs> you know, I, like, hey, this is a magic item. Maybe you just don't get all the information uh, if you don't roll well enough on the check, I could do it like that. I really, really want them to explore up here. Ideally, while they're picking through the Dragon Horde here, and, and maybe they do end up just fighting these Kobolds, I'm going to put them down, which is fine. And then it, they would have, at their leisure, be able to uh, sift through this gold pile, but it does take a lot of time, and I hopefully I can do a meanwhile, you know, y'all had different areas up here you could explore. And then there was another frozen room here. And it looks like basically I'll just hint the fact that maybe it's even been picked apart a little bit, you know, because it's just frozen solid. So maybe the kobolds have been trying to like get in there slowly. 
Which is weird that the Cobalts live here and they haven't been able to get inside. Even though it's frozen shut, like, you wouldn't think that would stop them. But maybe they consider that like a sacred room. Be frozen for a reason. The Fountainhead random. Oh, and Prince of the Apocalypse. Oh, man. You're news. Oh, no. The random. That fountain. That was. Uh, I think you're talking about the one from Tomb uh, of Annihilation. We have a lot of fun with fountains, don't we? Where the first person, I think, drank it and healed, and like everybody else, something bad happened. Those are always so funny because the players just don't know, but you're you're just so fucking curious. Like, how can you not? And it, if I was playing a video game, like obviously we're all quick saving, you know, before you drink from the fucking random bullshit fountain. But you can't do that, Dandy. <laughs> you gotta just accept the consequences as they come, and end up with whatever crazy result it is. Like, hey, you just roll on the thing, and that's what happens. I need to include a, you know what I should do? At least, maybe when we get to Etherin, I'll include a fountain somewhere uh, and have that be just a random wild magic fountain or something where something bad has to happen. And that'll be like our, it's almost a trademark thing with our campaigns. Or with mine, I guess, at least. <laughs> fountain of, of very bad things, very random things. <laughs> Loot is fun. Types of the sewers. All for the swarm of rats. Wow. That's interesting. Ooh, you know what? These necklaces would be very good too. Like, very apt of health. Proof against poison. Wound closure. Um, All those would... Make for good Dragon Horde stuff, too. Immune to poisoned condition and have an immunity to poison damage. That's probably going to come in pretty handy with a lot of stuff. Roof against poison. That's probably cooler than the immune to disease one. Disease doesn't come up too terribly often. Double the number of hit points regains with... Hit die would be very actually great for Frey. You auto-stabilize if you're dying and you double the number of hit points you restore when you roll for a die. That's a good one. Statue turns you into a snow golem. <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, I think that's going to do it for this session of Crafting Icewind Dale. Uh, I will come up with some cool items and run them by you all this week. And as I mentioned, hopefully we can time it where Aviatris arrives towards the end of the session, but that's something we'll probably talk about next time is specifically how to handle her arrival and uh, what will inevitably be Valravin chiming in to try to talk his way out of it, which I think we're all dying to see how that plays out <laughs> all right if you enjoy the content please check out patreon.com slash rogue watson shouts to platinum patrons joe will tiny dancer thomas adam stan william i'm loud kyle brandon genocider david nebula 99 eclectic role player role james and Lindsay. gold patrons rpg papercrafts pretty boy and yuma marcus dead lizard lounge sam lumpy spuds drome nathan fast like a tortoise and james thank you all very much for your support we'll see you all for another crafting icewind ale on thursday good week 